Got to, man. Got to bounce back. Shout out to my homie Keys, Xavier Keys, on the vocals on this. Okay. Honestly, they couldn't stop me if they wanted to. Got to get up, go out and get it, and that's what I'm going to do. I've been focused. I'm not hungry. Yo, I'm starving, dude. Grind mode with my team. We making these power moves. Honestly, they couldn't stop me if they wanted to. Gotta get up, go out and get it, and that's what I'm gonna do. I've been focused, I'm not hungry, you're gonna starve me, dude. In grind mode with my team, we making these power moves. Cause I ain't got no time to be wasting with all this music I'm making, man. I'm tired of being impatient, so I keep making these moves here with my crew. Vow to myself to overstay true, so I don't care what nobody else do, I know why. Like an erection, bumps in the road, but nah, I ain't stressing. I don't work out, but homie, I'm flexing. Every time I get on the beat and I bless it, rise and shine, and I never let another come and stop my grind, cause I grind all night at the gig, no lie. Then it's back in the booth for some overtime. Come on. Nope. Mm-mm. Shout out to Miss Almoramos. Shout out to Miss B. Uh-huh. I said, uh, hey, hey. Hey, my mom's told me to get them, so I don't care what y'all say. I just keep grinding. Yeah, I stay working, cause it's, you know I'm, I said, uh, that's right. In the lab with a pen and a pad, I, I, let's ride. Make it look so easy, don't it make y'all mad? One thing I know, one thing is certain. I can't stop, won't stop, cause me and my team stay working One thing I know, one thing is certain Can't stop, won't stop, on the grind getting mine, I'm working No sleep, spit heat, killing these tracks And I'm not gonna stop till I'm up on top where I'm supposed to be Everywhere I go, I scream SP, we more than a crew, we your family Working, trying to get a couple Grammys, G, have them sitting on top of the mantelpiece Thank God Go hard, they just mad cause I'm on my job But where I'm from is to the ground to starve I starve and I just can't do it Not having it, unthinkable So I turn in the stretch, I'm strong And now I can reach the unreachable Let's go Hey Trying to Yo, they I said I can't sit still I just laugh at y'all haters Cause I Yeah Hey 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 Hey, mom's told me so why don't let's go? I just keep yeah I stay cause it's you know I'm I said I that's right uh in the lab with a pen and a pad I I let's ride make it look so easy doesn't it make you mad one thing I know one thing is certain I can't stop won't stop. Cause me and my team stay working One thing I know One thing is certain Can't stop, won't stop On the ground, get in mind, I'm working Don't ever let anybody tell you That you can't get what you want Whatever you dreaming for, you get out there and you get it You make it happen Never mind the haters Real still Cause I All day Always Get them Yes sir I'm grinding, stay working, hey, I said I, that's right, 
In the lab with a pen and a pad, I let's ride. Make it look so easy, don't it make you mad? One thing I know, one thing is certain. Can't stop, won't stop, cause me and my team stay working. One thing I know, one thing is certain. Can't stop, won't stop, on the ground, get in mind, I'm working. Gotta. Yes, sir. Love them. Rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. The time is 8.02. It's Monday. It's Memorial Day. You're listening to Good Morning, Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. William Miller III, good morning to you, sir. Ah. See, that's for all of that, that is to, just to let you know that we're here. We're blessed. Uh, working hard on the holiday. Yes, we are. We are because we care. The information does not stop. We have a special edition today. We have a special guest in the studio. Uh, we have former president of Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, the first Latino judge in Kane County, and a great dresser, by the way, as well. And a man who was on time this morning. That trailer superlatives leads to only one person, Judge Renee Cruz. How are you, sir? Good, good. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. It's lovely. <laughs> um, Monday and the, the weather's nice. How's your weekend? Uh, weekend's good. Doing uh, well. I'm, I'm delivering a lot of signs and going out and doing some campaign stuff. Working on the yard, spending time with family. All the things we should be doing. That's right. That's right. Um, it's Monday. It's Memorial Day. Um, so I thought it'd be um, a good thing to do to maybe take a moment of silence here, just momentarily. All of you listeners and everything, we're gonna take a brief moment of silence for Memorial Day. Sherry Melby, good morning to you. All right, um, so we've got some local news and stuff to talk about today. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, I was talking to the judge, and we'll bring up some of the conversation we had. Uh, you were born in Panama. Correct. Uh, my, uh, my my father was a career soldier, okay. uh, retired as a sergeant major in the U.S. Army. But um, when my mom was pregnant with me, and we were living in Fort Benning, Kentucky, they were living in Fort Benning, Kentucky, he went back to Vietnam for a second tour of duty. Wow. And so my mom went home to Panama so she could be surrounded by family, and that's where I ended up being born. And you were sharing some of the Panama stories of uh, going down to get lobster and fish from the fishermen, man. <laughs> here, I, here we gotta go to Sam's Club. <laughs> it never tastes as good as it does fresh from the ocean. Right. Um, so currently in Kane County, there's a lot of different initiatives that we um, have seen over time. The WWW initiative is just one of them. Kane County State's Attorney is doing different things on forums, uh, stopping elder abuse and fentanyl and things like that. Um, 
How do you are you optimistic about Kane County and its services going forward for the people, or should the people be optimistic? Rather, sure. No, I think the people of Kane County should be uh, incredibly optimistic okay. about uh, the direction that Kane County is taking uh, through the judiciary, through law enforcement, uh, just in general. You know, when the pandemic happened a couple of years ago. Um, it forced us out of our comfort zone. Right. It uh, forced all the leadership um, in the different departments to figure out, um, you know, there wasn't a plan. So everyone had to double down on their efforts, right. basically. So let's figure out where what we do impacts you and vice versa. And then let's start seeing where we can um, eliminate some duplication of efforts. Let's start seeing where we can better processes. And um, we've got some great leadership at the different areas, too, with Ms. Mosser, Sheriff Payne, uh, you know, our chief judge, uh, Clint Hall. Um, the county board, you know, everyone basically in the same room with the common goals and common purpose. And we've just seen a lot of progress. And I think there's a lot more to come. All right. All right. Um, and the, the pandemic, one of the things we saw with the pandemic was the introduction of tele or tele or uh, virtual Correct. virtual proceedings and everything. <laughs> that was really helpful. Yes, that was super helpful. Um, that's no longer going on. We're in person now. Oh, right? no. It's a part of what we're going to be for the rest of our future. I oh, think, so we're keeping that. I, I absolutely think we're all going right, to All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll share a story with you. I remember I was the presiding judge of the family division when it happened. Okay. Um, so I'm the presiding judge. I got five courtrooms and four other judges that I I'm kind of uh, work with in that division. And when the word came down, we would have to close for a couple of weeks. You know, based on what we did, it, that, that did not make sense. There's no way we could eliminate... Um, the users of the system's access to us. Um, so I went out and started learning what Zoom was. And um, we were supposed to be shut down for two weeks. Within a week, I started rewriting some of our local rules. Okay. And, uh, and so that we could do the virtual court. I didn't have my own laptop, so I had to borrow my wife's laptop and started learning how to do it. And I uh, didn't have a Zoom license, so I, uh, you know, you get kicked off after 40 minutes. Yeah. And, <laughs> but we, we started running court calls within within a week. Okay. And, um, and we had people on, and you'd get that, that uh, you know, warning that you had five minutes left. And I'd tell everyone, we're about to get kicked off, but we're going to sign back in. We're going to keep doing business. And we did that, and then with, I mean, every week, maybe two or three times a week, I'd be rewriting rules so we can improve the process and kind of recreate what would happen in person right. without actually having people physically there. Uh, and I can tell you why it's going to be a, a part of our, our future. Uh, one of the first hearings I had was just a 15-minute hearing um, with uh, two individuals. So think about pre-pandemic, those individuals would have had to come into the courthouse. Um, one was a police officer, and he was zooming in on his phone from the police department lobby because I could see all the signs of it. Mm -hmm. And the spouse was downtown Chicago and you could see the skyline behind her in the windows. Um, Pre-pandemic, we would have taken an officer off the street for half a day and sh she would not have been able to come in and be in St. Charles and Chicago at the same time. So she would have lost a day of work. Right. And that was the light bulb moment for me was we now have the capability of just, um, we only need them for 15 minutes. So why not just be a 15 minute part of their day instead of having a, a consequence on the entire day? Right. Um, and that's where Zoom has now, I, I think, become a part of what we'll do for forever in the judiciary. Very efficient. Very efficient. Yeah. Because plus sometimes it's not always, it's not always the, the um, settling of the case per se that day. It could be a continuance. Correct. Or something like that. So, um, wow. The majority of cases that come to court settle. 
the vast majority. Oh, okay, correct. All right. Um, so, so you know, you might have these small hearings, but uh, again, um, the access that we give, you know, think about not having to travel now. Spend this is the, the money family on division. Guests. Correct, family okay. division. But now I'm in the criminal division, so some of the same things apply. You don't have to drive in. You know, we know what gas costs right now, but right. you don't have to drive into the courthouse, right? Right. You don't have to arrange for daycare necessarily. You don't have to miss a day's work um, to come in or half a day. Um, when I was uh, an attorney practicing, you know, we'd, we'd, some of these cases might take eight or ten court dates to resolve. Wow. And my clients would come to me after a few court dates and say, look, I, I get docked a quarter point, a half a point. You know, I'm about to get a, a, a suspension because right. I'm missing too much because I have to go to court every month. I Right now in my criminal courtrooms, I don't require um, individuals to appear if their attorney is going to be there on their behalf. Because it dawned on me right away within my first week in criminal court, why am I having a gentleman sit there? Um, knowing he's losing money because he can't work, um, watching his attorney, waiting for their turn, right. and he's paying his attorney. So not only is he losing money, he's paying his attorney. So I changed the rules in my criminal courtroom and said, as long as your attorney is going to be here and you're in contact with them, I'd rather you be at work. I'd rather you doing something else productive, let your attorney do the work for you. So I only need to see an individual once, and that's when the case resolves itself. That's so awesome. we could have 10 court dates, but I only need to see them once. So why we no longer have to make them take nine days off of work um, to get their case resolved. It's because Kane County took that step, and I was looking at the other counties and everything like mm -hmm. kendall county i think refused to go to virtual quarter they you know the last article i read from them was like no i think it's working fine kind of thing yeah there there are some areas where they're more receptive to it than not right. um, i think the benefits far outweigh you know some of the challenges of not having people physically in the room the benefits to the users i mean we're there for the users of the system right. it's not about us we're going to be there anyways we're there to make sure that we're as accessible as possible and um, you know, don't add negative consequences to what usually is a negative experience for most. All right. The time is 8.10 a.m. You're tuned in to and listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. Ale Hernandez, good morning to you. And Leo Zarco is here. Leo's had some great poetry and artwork. He's lighting up Instagram a lot. So keep it up, Leo. I like reading your stuff and hitting the like button on you. And Aisha Saxon is here as well. Good morning, all of you great people. It's Memorial Day. Um, all right. So let's let's talk about how one becomes a judge. Lots of law school. Tell us about law school. <laughs> so I, The I, smile I, is beaming right now, ladies and gentlemen. So, so I've, <laughs> gone, I've gone into schools. I've gone into... Uh, so I start working myself backwards. Law schools, okay. talking to students about wanting to become a judge someday. I go into colleges, talking to kids about maybe wanting to go into law school someday. I've gone into high schools to talk to kids about going to college, then maybe go to law school. Um, and then middle school and elementary school. And it adds up to 12 years to finish high school, four years of college, and then three years of law school. So it's 19 okay. total years okay. of education. Uh, education is never a wasted effort. It's, Ever. It's, right. Um, but then you have to have a career as a lawyer that would be beneficial to becoming a judge. So I was uh, an attorney here in Aurora for 17 years, general practice firm mostly representing uh, non-English speaking Hispanic community and uh, any area of the law you can can imagine. So I was a trial lawyer. So I was in court, you know, trying cases in basically every area of the law. Um, and then right around 2010, 2011, there was just the pulse of the community was, why don't we have uh, someone that's Latino and as one of our judges, there were almost 40 judges. 
Um, and the circuit was Kane, Kendall, and DeKalb counties. Almost 40 judges and no Hispanic representation. Now, when you say the pulse, I'm, I didn't mean to cut you off, but when you say the pulse, uh, how were you able to measure that at that time? What was the scuttlebutt, as we say in the Navy? What was the talk? What was the, how, Cens how was it feeling? Census numbers coming out, talking about uh -huh. what our demographics in our community was. Um, you know, representation, uh, we start seeing leaders in different areas come out um, that were elected here for the first time saying, you know, where, where else can we improve? Where else are, do we feel like we're not represented? Right. Um, so, so that was the conversation. Uh, I can tell you initially, I, I, I was happy doing what I was doing. It was real, you know, successful law practice, helping the community in a number of different ways. And um, so I, I wasn't um, looking to be that representative. But then you realize that the pool of candidates to pull from was not great. Um, very few Hispanic lawyers in the area. Um, and so somebody had to step up and say, you know, we need to break, break that door down. Um, and eventually I decided that I would, I would start that process. Took about a year, year and a half of an application process. And, um, and then it was December of 2012 when I was appointed. All right. And uh, how did it feel to be appointed? What was that? Do you remember where you were? Were you driving in McDonald's drive through Guess what happened, honey? You won. <laughs> I was actually sitting in the DuPage County Courthouse. My phone rang. I walked out in the hallway, nervously picked it up, and was told that I was appointed. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was, you know, phone shaking. This is something I'd worked for. And, uh, and uh, then it was like, now what? Um, you know, here I am, at, you know, I, our law firm had almost 30 employees and I was the one of the main partners on the door. Um, there were a lot of accolades and, you know, we celebrated in big fashion. Um, but once that wore off relatively quickly, now I'm the lowest man on the totem pole of 30 other judges. You were safe <laughs> and you had a safe position. Correct. Now, not so safe. Correct. Yeah. So I start off from there, and, and the, the, the judge who uh, encouraged me to, to participate, he, he basically said, look, you were able to, as a lawyer, have such a large impact on your community with the things you do. Think about the opportunity it gives you if you become a judge to do even more. Right. And that, that was the, the, the thing that clicked for me and said, look, let's do it. Um, I felt like, you know, being in the practice of law does give you the opportunity for like a second career. So it's kind of like having, having a second career and get to start over again um but uh and my colleagues were all great uh, but i can tell you within a short period of time i realized how little we had in common um and one of the reasons as to why it was important for me to be there a lot of my colleagues were all went to the same their kids went to the same schools they all swam at the same pools they all right. they all ate at the same restaurants and they were not the places that i was familiar with right um and so i i realized that uh although i think is humans, we all have so much more in common. We just did not have a lot of life experiences that were similar. Right. Um, and um, it, I think it, maybe it comes from being Hispanic. Maybe it's just me. Um, but I just started bothering everybody. I just started making myself known to everybody. When I was done with my court call, I'd go see if anybody else needed help. Um, if they didn't need help, I'd sit down in their chambers and we'd just start talking about life and starting to get to know each other. Right. And, uh, and that was important because every single one of my colleagues, you know, said, hey, if you need anything, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. But that's something we just said because we all had the same job. Um, but I had to feel like there was a connection there. We, we needed to not just do it because it was the role we played. We needed to do it because we, you know, um, genuinely cared about each other, knew, right. knew something about each other and wanted to be there for each other. Traditionally, um, what you're what you're detailing is a lack of representation in the system itself. Correct. There's also from the from the from the the citizen level uh, mm -hmm. or the uh, county the person like me level, 
that in addition to there not being that visual representation, it also has seemed like the the law has been applied not so fairly. So it's the double-edged sword kind of thing, you know? It's like, it doesn't look like it'll work for me, and I don't see anybody who works there that looks like me. Mm -hmm. um, how So the cynicism that people have, I feel like you've been able to kind of tamp that, not tamp it, well, maybe tamp it down, right? Are you able to, are people as cynical now when you talk to them as before? I don't think so, but I know what you're talking about because one of my motivations was, um, and I represent a lot of Hispanic individuals who are in court. Sure. Um, the court system um, disproportionately has more black and Latino participants, and right. the criminal system is defendants. And when you think about walking into the building and you're, you've been accused of something, you're walking into the building and you don't really see anybody that looks like you that's part of the process, it, whether it's the judge, the bailiff, the clerk, the um, you know, stenographer, the anybody, yeah, right. Um, that really was what our court system looked like 10 years ago, even. And to think about it, it was just 10 years ago, right? Um, that um, put yourself in that person's position, and, and how could you possibly think that the process would be, you know, as fair to me as it would to anybody right. else? Um, so, so that was part of the idea of breaking down um, that barrier and then figuring out a way to, to, to make that happen. Now, fast forward to now. We've got five Hispanic judges. We've got our second uh, black judge. We've got an Indian American judge, an openly gay judge. Um, but it's now um, translated throughout the system. We now have black bailiffs. We now have black security guards. We now have um, people of color throughout, <clears throat> excuse me, the state attorney's office, public defender's office, because we now recognize, and by example, we've been able to show that there are qualified people out there that can do all these jobs. Um, but the process itself is more welcoming to the people we serve by letting people walk in and, and see someone that looks like them. Right. It makes the whole community look better represented. Correct. Yeah, yeah, right. and representative. Correct. All right, the time is 8.18. Cruz Ocho, good morning. Oh, look at all these great people here. Cindy Morales, good morning. Curtis and Judge Cruz, good morning to you. Kathy Brockman. Uh, Yolanda Dunn, Maria Chirito, and Dobby Samantha Danner. Happy morning to you guys. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. Feels good to get a good morning, don't yes. it? Yes. <laughs> Never gets old, man. Never gets old. Eric Anderson and Linga Johannes, good morning to you guys as well. Um, so, you, uh, as the first Latino judge um, in Kane County, uh, was there, before you, before you got to the position, was there a... Um, a signature thing or initiative that you, I know you want to be representative and, 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 and do that and you got to know your colleagues um, but in your capacity as a judge um, is there anything that you wanted to do before and that you wanted to make your kind of life's work because you've already you've, you've that's a that's a milestone so have you had a a signature work that you wanted to do achieve or get past so I can tell you, going in, you're right. Repre being representative was the goal initially. Um, you know, I didn't know where I'd be assigned. I didn't know where. Um, I didn't know what the job paid. To be honest, when I applied, I just knew that that there was a, a problem that needed to be addressed. Um, but uh, the, the goal was always, you know, being the first would be a failure if you're the first and only. Right. Um, so, so I had to, the goal was to lead by example. Okay. Uh, make sure that everyone, you know, knew that I belonged. Right. Um, when I was applying for the position, 
Uh, I'd have some of the judges, you know, that were, you know, they're going to be voting on me asking or making reference to, well, you know, we don't have a Hispanic judge. What should I think about that? And the first thing out of my lips would be, hey, I'm, I'm not here because I'm Hispanic. I'm right. here because I'm the most qualified candidate I believe you have. Um, and, and I'm here because of what's in my application. Uh, the fact that you mention I'm Hispanic means that you recognize that there's a problem, not not me. Right. Um, so, so that was the goal to begin with. But then knowing you're the first one in the door, if you don't make it a success, um, then you're closing the door for everyone. You're, you're closing it behind you. And the idea is to leave it open. Um, that's what I think I've tried to do. Uh, four years later, when I became a circuit judge, when the Supreme Court elevated me to that position, then I was in the decision room. That's when I had the, the full opportunity to, um, for those of, the, of you that may not know, the circuit judges basically vote on all the appointed judges. Um, so now I get to weigh in on the appointment of other judges. I get to, now I had to go out and convince some of these successful Latino and, uh, and black attorneys to do the same thing I had to be convinced of. Look, look at the good you've done in your community. Look at what you can do um, at a greater level mm -hmm. if you become a judge. Because... I had to be talked out of leaving a, a, a lucrative practice to uh, engage in that, and I had to talk them into it too. Um, but I had to let my colleagues know that there were quality people out there that were worth a look. Um, one of the last judges we appointed, I'm actually the chair of the Judicial Nominating Committee for the Associates too, Okay. Um, so I lead those discussions. But one of the last judges we appointed, uh, who was Hispanic, Julio Cesar Valdez Espinosa from Elgin, I just remember being in the room and um, you know, he's a diverse candidate. I'm, I'm about quality first. And I remember when our initial vote came up, the other five in my committee all put him near the top of the list. I hadn't even said a word. And that was another like enlightening moment for me as to we're not not just thinking about anything other than who's the good candidate. But it happened to be that that Latino candidate rose to the top without me having to draw anyone's attention to it anymore. So the culture, the mindset had changed at right. that point. It's becoming how it should be, Correct. more, 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 um, tang more fair, Correct. more equitable. Correct. Um, wow, congratulations, man. Thank you. You're doing a lot. You're doing <laughs> a lot. Um, all right, so the time is 822. Uh, now, Judge, as I mentioned, I was going to take us to a commercial, mm -hmm. and I'm going to mention early voting information. And I've got something for you guys, too. You guys know that uh, Good Morning Aurora loves a good show. I've got a, uh, some information on a good show that you guys can take part in as well. So early voting began last week in Aurora. For the June 28th primary election, Illinois voters will select their party nominees for every statewide office in the primary election. Voters can also cast ballots for one U.S. Senate seat, two seats on the Illinois Supreme Court, all 17 of Illinois representatives in Congress, every state senator and representative in the General Assembly, and many county and judicial offices, as well as some referendum questions. The primary election sets the stage for the general election on November 8th. Uh, through June 10th, early in-person voting will be available in Kane County from 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And Good Morning Aurora is 68 feet away from the Kane County Circuit Clerk's office, excuse me, the Kane County Clerk's Office location um, downtown, 5 East Downer Place, Suite F. Uh, okay, now Cirque Italia, Cirque Italia. Uh, they're coming back, ladies and gentlemen, for performances June 23rd through July 4th. Don't miss out on your chance. Uh, the story begins with ringmaster clown Rafinha fishing when he unexpectedly catches a bottle with a treasure map stuffed inside. 
His ensuing journey takes the audience through storms on the high seas, dreams of angelic aerialists, pirate fights, and more. Wow. Sold, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I could use a good pirate fight. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, tickets can be purchased through the website. We have made a post on our Facebook page about this, you guys. If you click the link, it's about four posts down by now. Uh, click the link there. You can see the dates. Take it to the ticket prices and uh, come on out and see it. Good Morning Aurora will be there for a couple of dates as well. Uh, for more information, you can go to www.circitalia.com. I'll put that in chat for you guys. Uh, okay. And then Aurora Downtown and Visual Arts won the Unity, Mur uh, the Unity Mural, excuse me, won the Silver Telly Award, 43rd Annual Telly Award. The awards are the largest, the world's largest honor for video and television content across all screens. The Aurora Unity Mural Video won a silver award in the Social Video General Documentary category. That's on the east wall of Mank Cook in uh, downtown on, um, what is that, Galena. Yep, that's on Galena. Um, the video highlights the creation of the Aurora Downtown Funded Mural and features artists Laura, Laura Lynn and Catalina Diaz. Shouts out to them. The time is 8.25 a.m. You're listening to Good Morning Aurora. Casildo is here. Good morning, Casildo. Vote for Bianca Camargo for judge. Bianca Camargo for Kane County Circuit Court judge. Well, but hold on. I got a sound effect for that. Awesome. <laughs> good morning. Uh, and Dora Sanchez Soto, good morning. So, um, now let's talk about the chamber. Um, so you... You were former president Correct. of the uh, chamber. So no more activities or no, no duties with the chamber at no. all? No. Um, they're doing a lot of good stuff, though. They are. You know, it, it's uh, brought to be awareness to the business community. Um, you know, when I was there, we had that challenge of bringing back the Fiesta Spot to celebration. It right. had been out of the area for about 10 years. Um, and uh, a lot of work uh, to bring it back. Actually, I, I didn't know that that was a need when I became president, went around, started talking to the businesses. and. Uh, a lot of the local business owners said, you know, what a shame that we have to celebrate our, you know, Mexican cultural heritage in other towns, Aurora being the second largest city mm -hmm. in, in the state of Illinois. And that was just resoundingly, that's what people wanted. So a big deep dive into the uh, reasons why, um, you know, that the, the wasn't happening. And then uh, going out to talk to law enforcement, church communities, uh, aldermen as to why it didn't happen. Actually, it's, I was in the studio back then doing a, a program on ACTV to talk about it as well. And um, we did a two-day festival. I ended up um, there for almost 48 straight hours because I wasn't gonna let it go south. Um, slept there overnight uh, just to make sure that it was a success and we could bring it back. It happened to be the bicentennial of uh, Mexico's um, independence. So back then we had Governor Quinn come out, let you can eat the bakery, did like a six foot tall cake. I mean, the parade, um, lying the streets and then we were doing it down at that parking lot that's on the other side of uh, River Edge Park across the bridge and I just remember that large crowd from the parade just marching down that was beautiful it was just beautiful to bring that back and I'm not Mexican but that's what the community wanted and right. uh, I was a representative of that group and uh, it was great it was great to bring it back awesome um, so here's a question was there anything that opened your eyes upon upon becoming judge um, was there any moments you'd been an attorney so you were well versed in law. Mm -hmm. Was there anything that that surprised you? Was there anything where you looked like wow, like perhaps the application of it you had not seen until you did see? You know, was there anything that opened your eyes as a judge? So as as a judge and um, 
We actually put together a couple of programs um, through Kane County uh, to uh, make ourselves a little bit more transparent. Okay. Um, one is the Worries of the World Wide Web that you mentioned. The other one is a couple of uh, our colleagues called You Be the Judge. Um, what the community doesn't understand is you, you read the headlines in the newspapers to certain things that judges do and you think that judge is crazy. Why would they possibly do that? Everything we do is based on what the, statuto- the statutes and the law gives us authority to do. We can't go outside of that. Right. And sometimes you might see something and say, why would a judge do that? And the, um, the idea is because our, our hands are tied in certain areas, we can't go out and do what we want to do. We have to follow the law. And that, that's one of the hardest things you can do sometimes is my, put my own personal feelings, biases aside because I have to follow the rule of law. And, uh, and, and like I said, it may not make sense to many, but that's how it's prescribed. What I've learned over time is when I have to make a decision like that, the best thing I can do is to explain the decision to the people who are there. Because unfortunately, someone always wins, some, someone always loses. Sometimes both people get a little bit of a win, a little bit of a loss. Right. And so and, and a lot of times that's the best um, re- resolution. Uh, but you explain it to them so that at least they feel like they've been a part of the process. At least they feel like they understand how it worked and they didn't feel like there was some other hidden reason as to why something happened. Uh, but that, that's a challenge because sometimes even some things don't make sense to me. Um, but the law is prescribed that way, and, and people have to understand that that's a legislature's uh, responsibility to make the laws. We have to follow them. Right, because you are a part of the judiciary. Correct. And as we all learned in school, there's three branches of government, <laughs> <laughs> executive being the last Correct. Uh, last branch. Um, okay, so here's a question I got, and to that point, that's why sometimes you see like a, a, a judge will give a person life plus 200 years. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of thing? That that's sure. just how they have to do it? Sure. Wow. Yeah, all those things are prescribed. And uh, like I said, they, they, they don't always make sense, but right. um, but they're they're written and, uh, and you can see them. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes we need uh, uh, to do a lot of things to figure them out for ourselves. But at the end of the day, that, that's our guidelines for everything. Now, well, one of the other things I would tell you that, that was a shocker to me is how isolating the job was. Isolating? Correct. Okay. You, you get in there again. I came from a practice with almost 30 employees in our law firm to being the low man on a totem pole. And, you know, I was responsible for my courtroom. I started off in a family courtroom. And then, you know, when I was done, um, we were kind of cautioned to be very reserved from the community as judges for a couple of reasons. One is there's conflict everywhere. Right. People can appear in front of you uh, for, for various reasons. Uh, and then safety concerns potentially as well. Um, and that was kind of a shocker to me because I was so involved in the community. And so for about 18 months or so, I, I did withdraw, kind of figure out where those conflicts might be. And then I felt like I was losing a part of myself because I really needed to be engaged. Right. Um, and so I got back out there. But what I realized is that people don't know who their judges are. No. have no idea who they are. No. And that's our, that's our fault, not, not the community's fault. That's our fault because we isolate ourselves, um, unfortunately. And we need to make sure that we let people know that I'm, I'm your neighbor. I'm, I'm eating at the same restaurants locally that you are. I'm shopping at the same stores. You know, like I said, I'm on my neighbor's lawn when he's on vacation, right. things like that. We're all, we're all neighbors. Yes, I have a, a very important job to do that I take very seriously. But outside of that, I'm, I'm a community member. I, I want to donate my time to things that are good for all of us. Um, so I had the I had the I'll call it a fantastic pleasure mm-hmm. of doing jury duty. <laughs> Judge, let me tell you, that was real. It took all day, sure, but it was really cool. 
Sure. It was really cool. And I, I will say this. I felt like, God, and it, based on the conversation we just had about representation and fairness and all that, I have to say, I felt like part of it. I felt mm-hmm. like the do. I felt like I did my duty that day. Sure. I, you know that that twenty dollar check. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, you got lunch out of it. Too. Yeah, that gave us lunch, <laughs> and that certificate. I still got on my wall. I really felt like I did my duty. Sure. And I also feel like the person got a fair shake. Sure. I feel that. Yeah, and, and I'm incredibly pleased to hear that, to be honest. If you were to Google jury duty or look on YouTube for jury duty, you're going to see more examples of how to get how to get out of jury duty yes. than anything else. Yeah. Right? Because people have a perception on it. But thankfully, most people have the same uh, response you have after having been on the jury. I think a lot of people don't realize that it, it could be you. You could be the one sitting there in judgment, right? True. Um, we're only one bad decision from someone away, or, or maybe one. Or, it might be our own bad decision from right. being, from sitting in judgment. Um, when I was an attorney, and, and I do jury trials as a judge, I preside over them. When I was a, an attorney, and I would be helping select juries, the one of the main, main questions I would ask a prospective juror was, "If you were my client, would you want someone like yourself sitting in the chair?" Um, passing judgment after you hear the facts. And, and I'd watch carefully because that, that's what you want. Um, you want someone to realize that could be me. Um, that could have been me. And um, But most people have the same experience. The, the, there are some pitfalls in terms of, you know, our chairs might not be as comfortable as some people like. And no, it's just th- horrible. There's, yeah, yeah. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of waiting. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, because, you know, what, what do people have to compare it to? Law and order. And law and order, they can... Uh, arrest uh, or, or a crime can happen. They'll investigate it, arrest someone, and the trial all happens within an hour. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you get to the courthouse, it could be a day, an, an entire day. It could be a couple of days or longer. Yeah. Um, so we have to actually let people know, put those thoughts about how it happens on TV aside, um, because we have certain things we have to do. And my job as the judge is to make sure that the trial is fair uh, to both sides. Um, uh, but so, but there is some pitfalls to it. But I'm glad that um, the experience is vital. And, and we do see very responsible juries. They're not just phoning it in. When they go back there to deliberate, there you hear arguing, you hear discussing, you hear, and that's what you want. You want those um, common sense mindsets and experiences to go in there, apply the facts to the law, and and do the right thing. And, and I'm real pleased that the the jurors that we have. Yeah, and um, I see that in retrospect, I see that one of the lo- one of the reasons why it took so long was the weeding out process of all of us. So all the people who, for those who don't know, they, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but they send out summons to mm-hmm. do jury duty. Not everybody comes, but the people who do come, then they gather you, mm-hmm. and then those people, it's a weeding out process. So correct. all the people who are there in the morning time will not be who actually makes it to the jury. Correct. Um, and then when you get to the courtroom and you hear the case, like the judge asked, he was like, is there anybody who feels like they could not, I can't remember his words, but basically professionally adjudicate mm-hmm. sitting here? And people would say, oh my, it was a domestic violence case. Um, the prosecutors, the person chose to not uh, to represent themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, and I'll jump off the point here, which I have to say, um, that wasn't particularly smart. Like I, I, I look now because public defenders get a bad rap, typically. Well, I, I guess for you they don't get a bad rap. You know some no. talented jurists, I'm sure. sure. But these people, I was like, he should have at least had some representation. Sure. He got eaten alive. 
Yeah, I, I, I will agree with you that public defenders get a bad rap. Um, for whatever reason, there's this perception and some people, because I'll ask individuals when they appear in my court now that, now that I'm in criminal court, are, are you planning on having an attorney here? No, I don't want an attorney. I want a public defender. And I have to remind them, public defenders are attorneys, right. um, but they are some of the best trained um, attorneys that you have. They do a lot of internal training as well, but they're very familiar with the judges that they appear in front of because they're assigned to certain judges as well. But they're, they're some of the most undervalued um, in the system, but, but man, fascinating, incredible attorneys in the public defender's office. Right. Uh, what does it take to be a good trial judge? So the, the idea is you got to give a fair trial, and we, we balance all those things. So I'm balancing the comfort to the jury. I'm trying to make sure that their time is valued. So as much as I can explain about the process, the better. Um, we have to explain, and you probably you heard this, you know, certain things happen outside the presence of the jury. So you're wondering, what are they talking about? Right. right? Um, and right. so I have to make sure I protect the interest of the accused as well as the state to put on their case because they have the burden of proof in these cases. So it's, it's about finding the right balance so that the process can go where you just don't realize that. Um, you're just listening and you're just paying attention to the facts so you can ultimately make your decision and not have too many distractions. That, that's ultimately the, the trial judge's responsibility. Now, the judge can. So the prosecutor makes a, rep a recommendation for sentencing after the trial. Yeah, after the trial. Yeah. OK, if, if someone's found guilty. OK, but the judge doesn't necessarily have to follow their recommendation as long as you are within the law. Correct. You have discretion. So there are certain offenses that have minimum sentences that okay. we, we can't go um, below. But yeah, other than that, there is there is a, a guidelines or there is ranges for, for sentencing. Okay. So you're running for the Supreme Court. Correct. You ready? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of question I, I, was that? I wouldn't do it if I wasn't. That's right. Um, uh, are you nervous? Any nervousness whatsoever? There, I know that you are qualified. I know that you are ready. Sure. But, Sure. You know, I, I was in a, a League of Women Voters forum maybe 10 days ago, and um, it just out. it just reaffirmed why I was running. Um, the Chief Justice Ann Burke said that, you know, that the job of the Supreme Court justices, there's two. One is, you know, they hear the most important cases that come that happen in the state. So it's the constitutionality of certain laws. And then there's seven judicial districts, there's five judicial districts, and sometimes the districts can interpret the same law differently. So when their law is being interpreted differently throughout the state, they'll hear those cases so they can make it one law throughout the state. Okay. You don't want to have different types of justice being handed out in different counties or different districts. But she pointed out that one of the main components is an administrative component, is they decide how the law gets implemented procedurally throughout the state. That's where my wheelhouse is, having been a business owner for 17 years and knowing what it means to earn a dollar and to um, be able to support, you know, a staff of almost 30. You know, we provided 100% health insurance for all our employees, so they, they didn't contribute. So, you know, we built something there with the mindset of, you know, um, something that could be have some longevity, um, but also give a, a pleasant working environment. Now, translate that then into a government experience, a whole nother ballgame as to how government does things. Um, but fascinating for me was there's always room for improvement everywhere. Right. When I became a circuit judge, and, and I mentioned now I'm in the decision room, that, that gave me the ability to have the administrative um, experience and ability to, to affect change. So the voting on new judges, the bringing Zoom to the, to the judiciary uh, here locally before anybody else did. You know, I was rewriting rules within that first week. Um, within a couple of weeks, months, I getting calls from 
chief judges throughout the state saying, hey, we're hearing about how Kane County is still running their family courtrooms and we haven't been able to do anything. Can, can you share with us what you're, what you're doing? Right. Um, so, so I kind of, you know, jumped on that right away. Um, you know, sometimes, and not just in government, we, we do things today because that's the way everyone has always done them. And I think right. that's dangerous. I think the pandemic has taught us that we can do things differently and, and improve upon them. You know, if anyone had come to us without a pandemic and said, let's go to virtual court calls and not have people come in, we would have been laughed out of the room. But because we were made uncomfortable, um, we found an opportunity to improve our systems. Now we know, as I mentioned, there's this virtual court call can now benefit the users of the system in terms of not having to lose work not having to come to the courthouse in person. Um, I, I tell people that we use the phrase a lot thinking outside of the box. I think we're reinventing the box right now. I, I think there's a whole new vision for what the court system can look like. I think I've done that here locally already. Mm -hmm. And I think it translates to, to, the, to the highest court in the state. Uh, and it can translate to, first of all, all the different counties in the district and then throughout the state entirely. But it really does take an individual who has that um, unique, diverse background experiences, not just in business, but now in government, to make the case. Because I had to make the case with my fellow judges about Zoom early on. You know, I became kind of an IT guy um, because I knew how what we needed in the courtrooms and IT was trying to figure out what we would need as well. Um, we had an OWL system. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the OWL. Mm -hmm. The OWL is this little speaker that sits in the middle of your courtroom that has uh, cameras all the way around it. So it sees the entire courtroom and it creates a hybrid environment. So you could be appearing on court um, on Zoom and somebody could be in person, but on the screen, you're all in the same room. Uh -huh. And so we had to troubleshoot that. I still have the OWL app on my phone because when there would be an update, um, it would bother everyone's connection. Mm -hmm. So I would literally run the back hallways of the courthouse and I would update from the back hallways my fellow colleagues out while they were on the bench so that they wouldn't have any interruptions. Because I'm trying to sell them on the concept of, right. let's make this as seamless for you as possible. Because the more issues we'd have, then people would start doubting whether it was a good thing. Um, so those are the kinds of things, the effort that I put in, you know, my ability to um, notice where there's a problem, my ability to troubleshoot a solution, uh, and then the willingness to put the effort in. I, I can tell you, I think I worked harder during the pandemic in those first six or eight months than I did pre-pandemic because it was just, I mentioned before, if you have a plan, you implement the plan. If you don't have a plan, you, gotta, you have to double down on your effort. And that's what I was doing, is double, doubling down on the effort. Now we have an opportunity at the highest court of the state to bring that effort through the entire state. So that, that's why I think I'm ready. Do you think that the highest court in the state is going to be receptive? I, I think so. So the, there is uh, initiatives that the Supreme Court has for greater access to justice always. Okay. So we're always looking to do that. <clears throat> right. The mindset is, do you have the individuals who have, have those life experiences, background, et cetera, that can make the case and then bring it to the users of the system? So like you mentioned before, Kendall, who's just a few miles south of us, mm -hmm. has a different opinion on it. I, as a sitting judge in Kane County, I don't have the influence over that. As Supreme Court Justice, I can go down there and I can say, here's why it works. Here's where the resources we can give you. Here's the benefits to the users of the system. Let's give it a shot. Or we just pass rules that say, you got to find a way to do it. Right. Right. You got to make virtual court calls a part of what you do, at least for these cases or others. And I'm convinced that once you kind of make it part of what they do, um, you'll see that they'll start believing in it as well. We had an opportunity once the pandemic let up, we gave, I was doing town halls with our lawyers to make sure that they were a part of the process as well, because they were all frustrated. They all wanted to be in the courthouse. That's the one thing I couldn't do was let them in the building because I right. had to keep them safe. 
Um, but but you know you get the buy-in, and, uh, and and so it was an evolving process, and I think it still is, and it still has a long way to go. Um, but we had the opportunity to uh, reinvent, um, you know, how the judiciary looks from now into the future. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yolanda Dunn, good morning. Leo Zarco says a lot of good information. <laughs> Leo, that's what we do on this show, brother. We try to provide good information. Uh, good morning to you, Victoria Hallamaldonado. Uh, Memorial Day. Today we honor and remember those who gave it all so that we can enjoy the rights, freedoms afforded to us by the U.S. Constitution, the laws that govern our country. Thank you very much for that, Casildo. Uh, time is 844. Um, so, uh, where'd you go to high school? I graduated, so born in, and spent my first five years in Panama. Actually, I went, I'm a naturalized U.S. citizen, so okay. when I first came to the States, um, we lived in Kansas, we lived up north at Fort Sheridan, Illinois, and Waukegan, then we went to Virginia, then we went back to Panama. So I actually graduated high school from a Department of Defense school in Panama. In Panama, wow, <laughs> amazing. Man, you got a, you got a history, you got a good story before the... Uh... <laughs> no, I said it because Panama is a beautiful country. Sure, I, I wanted to serve, so I went to a military college, the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. And um, supposed to be a navigator for the Air Force, um, and then asthma got, got in the way of that, and so law school became the plan, and I came back to Illinois. Okay. Um, speaking with you, an attorney can do a lot. An attorney can make money in the private practice mm -hmm. or uh, the career being an attorney can transform into public service mm -hmm. and you can do a lot. True. Um, sitting here talking to you, I'm, I'm thinking about it now. I'm thinking about my conversation with Judge Flood. I'm thinking about my conversation more with um, State's Attorney Mosser, mm -hmm. with uh, Bianca Camargo. The rotating theme about all these great people is that they're all attorneys. Now, they're doing different things, but it's all public service. Um, I don't know. We probably don't have the data. I'm sure you don't know Miss Nationwide, but um, are there enough attorneys of color? There are in the more highly populated areas, okay. I think. Like I said, we, we had a problem when we were looking to diversify our bench for judges, and the state attorney's office was always trying to find diverse candidates, same with the public defender's office, is that we just didn't have a lot of um, attorneys of color here locally to pull from. Right. Um, and the ones who were here were you know, doing well, so you had to convince them, hey, you know, that th this is a transition of your career. Um, to become a judge, so we could always have more for sure. Right. Now, my press law office, you know, we, everyone had to be able to speak Spanish because our, our clientele was almost 100% um, Spanish speaking. Um, it was tough to find uh, attorneys uh, that could speak Spanish here locally. Although Aurora's what 40% um, right. Latino, um, so that's why again as I go out and talk to people about you know think about this as a career. Let me be the example for you of someone that you know grew up just like you that um, you know has has made it to that point and offer my cell phone number to whether it's a, an elementary school uh, kid parents to uh, you know the kids in college and law school. Call me. Right. I'll, I'll guide you. I'll give you. I'll give you advice. You know. Let's get to know each other. If I get to know you well, I can write you a letter of recommendation. Um, you know things like that, and, right. and just guide them through the process um, because it, it's an investment. You know, I tell people don't go to law school because you, you think you're just going to make money and be rich. You got to be passionate about it. You're going to work a lot of hours. It, it's a tough job, and, and you have to want to believe in, in the job. Um, but then you're going to have to have a career for a while before you you know get to the point where you um, you know can apply to be a judge. 
Uh, the time is 8.47 a.m. What's a judge do to relax? I know it's got to be stressful, man. You know, you're looking at the news and you're looking at this and you got a case coming up in five minutes. What's a, so, how does a judge unwind? So my stress relief is I play soccer, uh, adult recreational soccer, two to three times a week. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I am a big, I'm a big believer of team sports um, for kids and, um, you know, for adults, et cetera. It actually helps me with my weight because I love sweets. Um, but it gets that competitive edge out of me. Um, you know, attorneys as general, I think we're very competitive in, in, by nature. Um, but, uh, you know, when I mentioned team sports for kids, what does it do for kids who sometimes fall into the, to the system? Um, when you're in a team sport, you're going to get the exercise that's going to burn off some of that energy. Uh, secondly, you learn to rely on others and others get to rely on you because right. when you're on a team, you're, you're, you have that concept. Third, uh, most kids don't get to participate um, on a team unless their grades are a certain level. Um, so if they buy into the sport, they know they have to have at least a C average in order to participate. You know, right. all, all those things are positives for someone young. At my age, um, we play in the, uh, we'll call the Veterans League. It's okay. a certain age and over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a nice uh, way of putting it. <laughs> um, it, it. We call it the Half, the half Century Club. Okay. Um, I'm playing with guys from all around the world and all different backgrounds, experiences. And, um, you know, we're, we're on the field and uh, we don't have set teams. We put teams together so they're more even uh, teams, but we play very competitively. And then, you know, if one team just has a bad night and it's lopsided, we'll switch it so that we make a competitive game because that's what we want. Um, and we, you know, we give each other hard times and things like that during the game. We trash talk. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, it, it, we're all there because we love a sport. Right. And we're all there because we love the competition. And, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's like a United Nations of um, individuals who from all these different backgrounds and there's so much to learn from each other from their life experiences absolutely that it's great we just did a you know we can't fundraise as judges but there's a couple of uh, of soccer players that have this um, sarcoidosis um, condition and one of them put together a tournament so we went and played in a tournament to help raise funds for them um, but you know we're, we're just there for each other and uh, be, the, the sport itself gives us the opportunity to do that for each other Good morning to you, Rue. Good morning. I see you, my dear friend. I see you. And Maria Chirito, good morning to you guys. Um, okay. Time is 8.50. Um, Aurora. So I, and, and uh, I've been conscious of the questions I'm asking, so, that's, so it doesn't appear that your thumb is on the scale or anything. But sure. uh, Aurora, we are still in a pandemic, but things have eased as we see. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll call it things are opening back up. Are you optimistic about the way the city is going? We've got the restaurants coming on. What do you what do you what do you think? We got more buildings and, and housing. How does you know how's Aurora look to you? So um, having grown up in the military and we moved every three years, you know, I've lived now in Aurora since nineteen ninety-four. So that's what, almost thirty years. Mm -hmm. Um the interesting thing about being in the military is you never live long enough to see anything develop like you know True. you could see a sign saying you know movie theater coming and i never got to see it because we get shipped off to live somewhere okay else. yeah <laughs> so, so it's fascinating for me to live in one place and see the evolution of it okay. and uh, yeah all the things that are happening downtown are, are great um you know there, there is a lot of buzz about things i think there's a, a good positive uh feel for for aurora and, and and you know credit to you for your show and you bring out all the positivity you give the news and you're already celebrating things and we should be celebrating Appreciate all the positive it, things yep. you know for for you know, there are times when i don't watch the news 
um, because it is too negative for me. And, and, and uh, ultimately, there are things that happen at the national level we don't have as much control over, but we have so much more control at the local level. Absolutely. Um, that we should be invested. And that means in your local elected officials. It means in, in your community groups, nonprofits, things like that. And with this election coming up, one of the things I'm concerned about is we keep hearing low turnout, low turnout, low turnout. And um, if you don't vote, you lose the opportunity to complain. Absolutely. Um, but you have such a huge impact at the local level with who you choose, whether it's judges, aldermen. Um, right now, because of the census, all of the different offices have to run. Our state legislative offices, federal offices, everyone has to run again. Um, it's really important that people get out there and know their candidates and get involved because it's going to have direct impacts on what happens here in Aurora, too. Absolutely. The time is 8.52. Um, all right. So will you be watching the parade today? I, I think I might be in the parade. Um, oh, I don't, I don't really? Have a group, I don't have a group. I'm going to join maybe some friends uh, to go out there okay. and uh, and be in it. Um, you know, Memorial Day, it's, it's, it's one of those, you know, my dad's a veteran, thankfully. Uh, you know, it, it's not lost on me that we met for the first time when I was nine months old. You know, he, you know, he was serving and, and uh, he, he's told me the story about how he found out that I'd been born and had to spend the next nine months in combat wondering if we'd ever get to meet. Um, so I'm always very conscious of the fact that, um, you know, he might not have come back. And so Memorial Day is the day we, we honor those who have given the, the ultimate sacrifice. You know, I, I, if I could just briefly, want to point out the families that you know we call them the gold star families but the spouses the children the um, siblings etc of those individuals who lost their lives too we, we should also remember them always right. you know I, i'm the, the the youngest in our family my mom was a strong strong um you know mom and she uh she held the family together you know when dad had to leave you know my dad had a bag he was an infantry man so he had a bag behind the front door and if he woke up in the morning and the bag was gone you knew that he left all right and so mom was the one that was there and, and let you know that everything was going to be okay she made life as normal as possible um, but for those that have lost loved ones in combat um, that have paid the ultimate price you know we, we have to thank them too right um, because they, they've sacrificed uh, you know along with that that individual um, they've sacrificed for all of us as well What's the story of Latinos in Illinois? Um, so the story is this. Um, our, our, our numbers are high. Um, we are a big part of the population. Um, we need to make sure that we um, use that, uh, the, the numbers that we have to have a common voice. And we need to join with others. And uh, unfortunately, right now, I hate to get political. We're at a point where we're pushing everything to the fringes mm -hmm. that I think we have so much more in common. And I think that real public opinion is somewhere more in the middle um, that we have to learn how to get together with others for the good ideas right. and not just for you know ideas that, that are our own, um, because it all comes down to compromise. It all comes down to um, nobody wants to do anything to hurt anybody else. I truly right. believe that. Um, but we're caught up in this political rhetoric right now where, where it's just popular for some reason to just disagree right uh, and, and i think that's a dangerous thing but we as latinos we should learn to have a un unified voice uh, and use it to, to benefit not only ourselves but others as well all right uh the time is 8 54 well we try to we, we uh you know the, the, this show takes great pains to be that platform for those unifying voices sure. like i've always felt that you know despite the demographics or the different classes that people put themselves into, all of us have an alder mm -hmm. or an alder person. Correct. Um, everybody is going to feel the, the heat, so to speak, if the gas price goes up another dollar. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and that doesn't care about who you voted for. Correct. So um, I, I concur with your statement, man. We got to start taking a better, we as a collective people, we got to start taking a better accountability of ourselves at a local level. Mm-hmm. We have to. The good stuff that's happened in the city didn't just happen by a wand being made. It was actual humans saying, you know what? Let's make this look better. Let's do this and let's try, you know, the, uh, Marissa, I'm thinking about right now, like we're talking about, <laughs> oh, you yeah. know, um, all this kind sure. of stuff happening. Mary Folks, good morning. I see you. You're right on point. Thank you very most. Or very most. You said most. Yeah, my bad. See? Hold on. Let me hit the button for that. All right. Yeah, so, time so is- unfortunately, over, over the last, you know, during the pandemic, people have gotten in the same room to just complain <clears throat> right. and blame others for things rather than doing what we should be doing is coming up with solutions together right uh the time is 8 56 um man i'm glad i met you this was a great episode great, <laughs> great episode here, man yeah I, i'm sitting next to a celebrity here <laughs> same um i want thank you for tuning in because you tune into yes. the show you've been tuning into the show for a long time and i really appreciate it i really appreciate it i'm proud that this is the kind of show that uh, uh folks like yourself and folks like God be Samantha, Dana Rue's mom, and, and everybody can uh, can tune in. And also to plug it in, because we talked about it before the mic came on, um, we did serve together at Aurora Interfaith Food Pantry. <laughs> that was a good day. Yes. That was the Veterans Pantry that Correct. day. Um, so the whole purpose was to provide food to veterans and their families. Correct. Um, that was my first time doing that. I, I've done it every year since they started. Um, you know, Vietnam, as you rem- remember, was not a popular war. Right. Um, my father has told me stories about the reception he received. Remember, he served two, two tours, so right. the reception he received. And over time, we've learned to, to thank individuals because there was a overdue recognition for, right. for a lot of them. Um, so it's always a pleasure to stand before someone and, uh, and thank them for their service. And then give them a chance to share a little bit because, man, there's some stories out there that individuals have. And uh, sometimes they struggle with, with some of the experiences they've had. Right. Um, but there's so much to learn from individuals that have, that have given in that way. Yeah. Um, no, it is, it is special. And sure. I, I can, that's one part of this show that I see. That's another famous history of our show here. I actually stood next to a man distributing food and I did not know he was a judge. I did not know that. I did not know that. I'm there to work. I not did to... not know that. That was awesome. That was awesome. Um, so it's 8.58. The show ends on a uh, thank you, Judge Cruz. Mary Foles, appreciate that. Thank you. Great episode. Maria Contreras, good morning to you. Uh, the show ends on a positive note. What is your message today for the people of Aurora? So my message is uh, understand that we all, um, you know, we, we should all be invested in our community. Right. Uh, we should all be invested in our, our combined success. I think truly everybody wants, um, nobody wants to hurt each other. Everyone wants what's best for everybody. Um, know your neighbors, mm-hmm. um, get invested in your neighbors, get to know them because we have more in common than we have different. And we should all be celebrating um, our differences, not complaining about it. Absolutely. All right. It is Memorial Day. The parade starts today at noon. It lines up at River and Benton. It'll go down Benton. It'll take a left on Broadway. It'll take another left on Downer and come on up with the reviewing stand being in front of the GAR Memorial Hall. Shout out to Eric Pry. Um, so go out there. Good morning, Aurora. will be on the scene and be around and capturing some footage and saying hi to folks. Uh, and we'll be back here tomorrow as well. Thank you very much to Judge Cruz for Thank coming you. on the show. Take care of yourself and each other.